Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? I'm going to go get my master's degree. I'm going to go get a PhD. I'm going to, I'm going to go to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that to, to, to climb up the corporate ladder, to make more money, to pay for more stuff. I'm not a neurosurgeon, but whatever part of your brain says, fuck it, I'm going to buy this anyway. This book helped me numb that switch. Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Schomer and Ken Wilson. Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast. Today, Ken and I are going to be talking about the book that changed everything, the book that changed our lives. And I want to start off with a quote. And this quote's from Mark Twain from 1895. And this quote reads, The man who does not read good books has no advantage over the man that can't read. And Ken, just before we fired up the podcast, you were talking about reading and how it's had an impact on your life. So before we dive into this book, uh, can you share with the audience how has reading helped you and how how has it changed your life? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And and that quote you just spun out from Mark Twain that was deep. I, I like that, uh, and it really resonates with me personally. You know, I'm in my early 40s, and I I didn't start reading heavily until I would say, you know, I, I read in, in school when I was made to right. Like, hey, you got a book report, you got to do this, you got to. And I, you know, I read in college because I had to do reports and stuff, but. I didn't find value and I didn't read until my late thirties, right? I got, uh, you know, I had a life change. I went through a divorce and I, and I got into a new relationship. My girlfriend was a avid reader. And I was like, well, what are you like? What are you doing? She's like, I'm reading. And I was like, she goes, you should, I was like, I don't like reading. She goes, well, just you, you, you do like reading. You just haven't found the, the right stuff to read. And I was like, that's interesting. So I went out and and found some books that I liked and I was like, holy shit. Like, like I, and now I enjoy reading. I'm, I'm an avid reader and I would, yeah, I would say to anybody out there, if you, if you, if your answer is like, I don't like to read, you've probably not found the right book to read, whether it's a, and I do both. I do, I do physical books and I also do audible. So you know, if, if you have a long commute, if you want to, if you walk, if you do whatever, you know, and, and if you just don't like flipping pages or if you like Kindle, whatever, Audible, that, that's huge. More importantly, the monumental shift and change that it's had in my life is, is massive, right? So in the last probably five years, I've probably read, I don't know, a hundred books, 120 books. And that's made a massive impact on my life, like complete game changer. For sure, for sure. You know, I uh, I suffer from 
uh, extreme ADHD. Like I cannot sit still. And, uh, and it took me until my mid twenties to realize, Hey, maybe sitting down and reading a paper book is, is not for you, but audible. I, if I signed up for an audible subscription probably five years ago and I get three or four books a month and, uh, and that's just something I, whenever I see it on my credit card statement, I, that is money well spent. Um, I use up all my credits and, uh, you know, if you're listening to podcasts, audiobooks may be a great option for you. If you like listening to things and you can learn from listening, give it a try. Um, you know, I, I listened to, uh, the book that we're going to be talking about on, uh, you know, it was probably two or three years ago and, uh, it changed my life. And, uh, and I think that term is way overused. It changed my life, but this one really did. And so, uh, without further ado, the book that we're talking about is, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And, uh, so let's start off. Ken, where did you first hear about Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I was researching e-commerce selling and it was actually, uh, one of the influencers that was doing a, a YouTube video and it was like, Hey, this changed my life reading this book. And it's made me do what I'm doing now. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, it, like that's, a, that's impactful, right? When someone says, this changed my life. And I, and I thought, well, let me, let me, and it was in my, you know, phase of, of consuming a lot of books. So I put it in my lineup and read that. And it really did change my life. It, it changed how I view money. It changed how I view our education system. Now we both read this book at different points in our life, and it had different impacts on us. What? What? Now, how did you hear about it, and what kind of impact did it have for you? So I was interested in getting into real estate, and for anyone who's interested in getting into real estate, I would really recommend the Bigger Pockets podcast. They have an awesome podcast, and at the end of every show, they ask their guest, "What's your favorite book?" I probably listened to ten episodes, and I think seven out of ten people said "Rich Dad Poor Dad." And a couple of people even said, well, I know everyone says this, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, all right, there's got to be something to this. All these successful people I'm hearing talk about this book, there, there's got to be something to this. So I, I listened to it, and it really did have an impact on my life, you know, specifically about how I managed my personal finances. You know, I don't know if you had this experience, but it did kind of bring about a, a little bit of shame like about how I've managed my money up until now. And I'll give you an example. He talks about uh, buying assets versus buying liabilities. When I was 23 years old, I had my first job. I was making decent money. And for my whole life, you know, growing up in Iowa, I think this is a symptom of of this, but I wanted to buy a big lifted truck, you know, a six-inch lift. And, and so I went to the dealership and I bought a brand new, it was a 2015 GMC Sierra, the six-inch lift kit. And it is a badass truck, but I, you know, I took a loan out. I put a small down payment on, and I had a five or six hundred dollar payment on it. You know, it took five years to pay off, and now that the sucker's paid off, and it's not worth near what I paid for it. And you know, that was that was an example of buying a liability, and, and we'll go into that. But it made me kind of think about, all right, how have I handled money, and how should I handle money? And you know, most recently. I, t- I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes. My wife and I just had a kid. How am I going to teach my son about money? And, you know, what lessons, you know, that's a point that they make in this book is a lot of your habits and, and, and your mindset around money comes from your parents. 
And I think that's true. You know, that resonated with me. I think my thoughts about money kind of came from my upbringing and, and just kind of watching my parents. But, you know, what lessons am I going to want to teach my son? And, uh, you know, you had just said, like, you bought this book for your son. Yeah. I've gifted this book uh, four times. Uh, my buddy James, I know, I know you're listening. You're getting ready to retire from the Army. And I love it like a brother. I've gifted it to uh, my son, my daughter, and Liam. And hopefully it has an impact as much as it has had on me. So, and I will gift this book a lot more. I've got four younger brothers. I've given it to uh, two of them. Uh, my one brother who's 27 and, and the other one who just went to college. The brother that is 27, he, he has said that this has definitely changed his mindset and thoughts around money. He gifted it to my mom. And my mom's nearing retirement. You know, she's five, 10 years away from retirement. And she said, God, I wish I would have read this 30 years ago. And, you know, I think for, for people that are listening to this, regardless of your age, it's never too late to pick up a good book and, and learn something. Before we get into it, can you, can you give a 10,000-foot view to our audience on, on this book? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, it's written by Robert Kiyosaki, and he talks about having two dads. One was his real father, and that was his poor dad. Uh, this man was very well-educated. Uh, he was employed. He worked for a university and made good income, uh, but he also always spent that, that income. The second was his rich dad. Now, his rich dad didn't have any, he didn't have a college education, uh, but liked buying assets. He, he was into real estate, and really taught Robert about about managing money. So, so this book it, it kind of tells the story of, I would say, you know, the poor dad kind of illustrates the the standard American way of managing money. If you earn fifty thousand dollars, you spend forty nine, and you know, people tell you your house is your biggest asset, and you know, you work, you should enjoy that money, you should buy a new car. And uh, so that, that, that kind of represents the poor dad. And the, and the rich dad doesn't come from an Ivy League school, but the guy hustles and grinds, uh, doesn't live in a huge house. He doesn't buy new cars. Uh, when he buys something, it's often a cash-producing asset. Like he puts money to work for him as opposed to going out and working for money. And this whole book just kind of, it's a compare and contrast against the rich dad and the poor dad. And it's a great way to tee up this topic. Um, it, you know, it kind of gives an example of, hey, here's someone that's doing it right, and here's someone that, that's doing it wrong, although on paper, they, they conform to the standard American way of living. Go to college, get a good job, earn a good income, buy a big house, uh, and and so anyway, that's that's kind of the premise of the book, and I think for anyone listening who hasn't read this book, do yourself a favor and, and read it. It, it will change your life. I mean, I, I haven't heard anybody that's read it and said, that book's full of bullshit. I didn't learn anything. <laughs> I, I haven't mean, either. You'll take something away from it. So, uh, But anyway, that, that's kind of the, the, uh, the premise of this book. So um, anyway, when, Ken, when you read it, what were some of the biggest takeaways that you had? Okay, so as we peel back the layers on this book, and it's very dense, right? Like there's a lot to get here a lot of layers. And one of the layers that that you touched a little bit on, well, there's a lot of them, but the first one, the education system 
our modern day education system. And, and uh, Robert's um, rich dad, you know, he was a Stanford grad and he was one of the lead educators in the state of Hawaii. So the education system does not teach what Robert Kiyosaki is teaching. It, it teaches learn a trade, learn a skill, go to college, work a, work a career, you have a job, you work for a company, that, that, that's the kind of the transition. And the education system does not teach about money. It does not properly teach about assets or liabilities. So I don't know about you, but when I went through school, I, I had one class on money, and it was called Money, Credit, and Banking. And it was literally, this is a checkbook, this is a bank, you deposit, you know, you go to work, you deposit your money in the bank, and you operate a checkbook, and you do your your debits and credits and on your checkbook, and that's how you keep them, your money, you know, you get your paycheck, you put it in the bank, and then you have your expenses, your house, and all that. That's literally what I learned about finance and, and school. So that's one of the layers is that we're not really teaching properly what an asset or liability is. Absolutely. All the while, I can tell you what a sarcophagus is. It's, it's a mummy in, inside of a tomb. I mean, that's something I took from my elementary education. Has, that, has there ever been a sarcophagus day? No, but there's a tax day. It's April 15th. I mean, it's just the things that, that the education system focuses on, man, it's, it's really not relevant. And so I think, you know, for people that are parents, oh, this is huge. Like, you know, if this is something that's not being addressed at school, this is something that needs to be addressed at home. Sorry to interrupt the episode. You may have heard Ken and I talking recently about a new tool that we're using for Amazon refunds. Now, I have used other refund tools like this. However, I can tell you in the first seven days, they scrubbed the back end of my Amazon account going back 18 months and found $5,000 of refunds. And the nice thing about this is it's my money. Amazon made a mistake and they are just auditing my account. The other thing I really like about this tool is there is no monthly fee. They only charge a commission if they are successful in getting you your money. Go to getida.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM for firing the man, FTM400. This is an awesome tool. Can't say enough good things about it. Now, back to the episode. One term that, that Robert Kiyosaki used in this book is the rat race. If, if you get into you know Robert Kiyosaki and reading his books, the rat race, right? That's, that's what most of us are in, and, and you get that the rat race. Let me define that a little bit. So you get a job. You buy a car, you buy a house, you get cable, you get a phone, you get Netflix, you get all, you get all these expenses, right? So then you then you go to your employer. Okay, all of your bills come in, and you need more money to pay those bills. So you go to your job, and your boss says, "Well, I want you to go more college. I want you to." Uh, Go to more classes, go to get another degree and to pay for the, to get another, to get a raise, right? So you, then you, okay, well, I'm on this mission. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. What does that take? I'm going to go get my master's degree. I'm going to go get a PhD. I'm going to, I'm going to go to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that to, to, to climb up the corporate ladder to make more money, to pay for more stuff, right? That's, and it's a cycle. That is the rat race. 
So I'm going to give you a, an example, a, a real life example for me personally. I'm going to give you numbers. I'm going to lay it out there. So in other podcasts, I've, I've admitted that I have shiny object syndrome, right? I, you know, I'm very humble. I have lots of faults and, and I do not mind admitting them at all. That's one of my faults, shiny object syndrome. I still have it today, and I'm 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 a recovering addict of shiny object syndrome. So, uh, th- this one is a, it's a keeping up with the Jones example, okay? And so, I like I said, like I said in, in uh, previous episodes, I, I went through a life changing event about five years ago. I got a divorce, and it was a life changing event for me. So, uh, I, I bought a Ford Raptor, which if you know. If you're part of our tribe, you you know what a Ford Raptor is. It's a badass truck, right? It it is a badass truck. So, you know, can you imagine going through divorce? You're like, God damn it! You know what? I, I need a change. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I drove a Civic Hybrid when I you know in my married life a Civic. Okay, you know what? I'm divorced now. I got this money out. I went out and bought a Ford Raptor, fifty sixty thousand dollar truck. I'm like, fuck it. I I want this truck. It's badass. I got it. On paper, that Ford Raptor, it cost me $600 a month in a payment. I drove it like a banshee, right? I filled it up every week, and it had a 40-gallon tank. That was a $100 bill every week, David, $100 bill. That's 400 a month, okay? So you got a $600 payment. You got $400 in gas, and my insurance are 150 bucks a month. So you have $1,150 a month, a Ford Raptor, a vehicle that got me from point A to point B, $1,150. Now, when you see somebody driving around on the street in a truck and you're like, you know, they're doing their bit, $1,150 is a lot of money for a vehicle, right? You know what? When I, when I sat, when I got behind that wheel and I drove to work or I drove my kids somewhere or whatever, at that eleven hundred and fifty dollars, it was kind of, it didn't, it didn't really hit me. I'm gonna fast forward to today, and then we're gonna define assets and liabilities. So today, I drive a Volkswagen Jetta. I bought it used, and I paid thirteen thousand dollars for it. My car payment is two hundred and forty three dollars, and I spend about a hundred dollars a month in gas. And the insurance is a whopping $65, okay? So the total expense for my uh, car today is $408 a month. And some of that's a business expense that I write off now because I have a business, right? We'll talk about that later. But So $1,150 Raptor, $408 Volkswagen. That's Okay, so that's the difference between when I before I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad to now. I'm glad you brought up that example, and I'm and I'm glad that you specifically used the words "fuck it," because this book helps me. Whatever I'm I'm not a neurosurgeon, but whatever part of your brain says "fuck it," I'm gonna buy this anyway. This book helped me turn. It helped me numb that switch. It helped me kind of like eliminate that switch from my brain. And uh, yeah, view. You know, I I had the same thing with, with with my truck. It was like fuck it. I deserve it. I just got out of college. I've been working hard for all these years. I deserve this lifted truck. And, and I can tell you, um, so if you want to know what I drive today, I still, I still drive that truck, not fuel efficient, but, um, it's paid for. 
it's paid for and i'm going to drive that son of a bitch until the wheels fall off um because it's paid for and if i think about you know my next vehicle um it's definitely going to be used and it's definitely not going to be a forty thousand dollar investment and so you see that keeping up with the joneses and uh it's kind of it's kind of weird you know i don't know anybody that has a cool car like a you know a really nice car and i think they're a cooler person you know what i mean like right, right like there's right. no one that i'm like oh he's kind of a douchebag but hey he's got a new suburban actually he's not a douchebag he's cool like it's it's uh it's it's odd but man everybody falls into that trap and you know i see it i work at a public accounting firm it's a group of people that all should know better right you know it's presumably people that really understand money and understand numbers you see people get promoted what do they do immediately go find a real estate agent buy a bigger house get a pool um go get a new car and and, and you see this happen over and over and uh and a book like this is a good way to kind of check yourself. One little sidebar that I'd like to put, kind of kind of jackhammer in here is is uh, social media. I think social media is the goddamn devil, and I think a lot of people put too much stake in social people. I mean, me, you, David, myself, everyone, right? So we see. Sally769 on social media talking about her new in-ground pool, right? Well, God damn it, we we want to go get a new in-ground pool, right? But what we don't know is Sally679 is is getting ready to file for bankruptcy because she can't pay her goddamn bills, right? So social media, I think it's the devil in where we put our energy and, and focus on, on, on stuff. And, and I think understanding what this book is about, the 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 basics of this book will really bring you back level set. So Ken, when you were talking, you had mentioned assets versus liabilities. Can you go a little more into that? I'm going to break down some examples. An asset, a share of a stock in a company. So you go to the stock market, you buy a share of a stock in a company. That's an asset, right? A rental property with positive cash flow. Say you own a house, you know, you, you pay the bank, $1,200 $1,200 a month for the mortgage on that property. Your renter pays you $2,000 for rent. You have the extra as positive cash flow. That's an asset. A profitable business you own. One that you don't manage day to day. One that you own and it's profitable. That's an asset. It brings cash flow into you. Anything that brings cash flow in is an asset. Let's cover liabilities. Your car, a boat, bought a boat for a hundred grand. That boat's worth 70 grand now. And you got to pay for the slip. You got to pay for the gas. Got to clean it. Got to do everything. It takes money. Uh, You'll notice a trend for the liabilities as I go on. Golf clubs. I paid $1,000 for golf clubs. They're probably worth 200 now. They decrease in value. For me personally, I would like to say they're an asset because I can play golf better. They're a liability. Decrease in value. They're a shiny object, right? I didn't need those golf clubs. The other golf clubs I had were just fine. I saw an ad on Facebook, and I bought those goddamn golf clubs because I wanted to play better golf, right? You're, this is one that's going to trip a lot of people up, and this is one of the premises of this book, I believe, uh, 
which will impact a lot of people. Your primary resonance. That was huge because it goes against the grain of what you hear forever. I mean, it's it's you buy a house, you pay it off. It you know it, it increases in value. Uh, but the key here is it's not it's not a cash flow producing asset. There's there's you know I look at you own a house. Yep. I own a house. Uh, if I look at how much cash flow it's produced since I've lived here, it's been zero. Could the market tank tomorrow? Maybe. Who knows? But it hasn't given me any cash in my pocket that I can spend. Now, have just this week, my garage door, one shut. Watched a bunch of YouTube, couldn't fix it myself. Have to call the garage door company. They come out, re- replace the sensors, 150 bucks. I mean, if you're a homeowner, this story should sound familiar. Owning a house is expensive. It requires cash input just to keep it up and going. And so this was one that shocked me. And when I read that, I was like, nah, nah, that's a radical thought. But, you know, Robert Kiyosaki goes into great detail about how your house is not an asset, how it is a liability. So, David, how has this book has had an impact on the way you view your expenses? You know, one thing he talks about is expense creep. And this one really hit home for me. Uh, when my girlfriend and I, when we were back in college, if we'd go on a road trip, we would uh, put the seats down in the back of the SUV and we'd sleep in the car. We wouldn't get a hotel. Uh, and that was that was just what we did because we didn't have any money. And a couple years later, we both had jobs, but we weren't rolling in cash. So instead of sleeping in the car, we would go to a shitty motel. If we were traveling, you know, across the country, we'd stay in a shitty motel, you know, the $40, $50 a night. And that was, you know, it kind of tracked our income. And, you know, now as we travel across the country, I, you know, we'll see like, you know, I wonder what Marriott has has going on or I wonder what Hilton has going on. And that's a super subtle thing. But I think that that happens with a lot of people is you you would think, right, every year you go, you know, if you have a typical W-2 job, you go in, you get a raise, right? You should have more money the next year. But what happens is is expenses creep. You know, Rob, Robert Kiyosaki, he talks about his poor dad, you know, was making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but also had hundreds of thousands of dollars of expenses. And so I think that that is, you know, something that everybody can take away from this book. You know, if your income goes up, um, that doesn't mean your expenses need to go up. And just to be conscious of that that expense creep, because it, it is, it's very subtle. You know, I don't think my wife and I ever had a conversation that went something like, hey, we're making more money. Let's stop sleeping in the car. It just kind of happened. And, and you see that happen a lot. I also will say, we went on a road trip, my wife and I, and I listened to it again with her. And you hear about, you know, what what's the biggest marital problem that people have? It's money. When I think about this book, this was a huge reset for me in how I thought about money. It is a good thing, you know, for my spouse to listen to this book or read this book too, so they can have that similar reset. You know, it has helped me and my wife stay more on the same page when it comes to money. It's been a benefit to our relationship. You know, I've never, I never thought about that as, as a, a book for your partner to read and understand. You're absolutely right. You know, if if your partner's on the same, if you're married, you have a partner that shares, you know, financial burdens and responsibilities as you do, 
they need to be on the same page, right? Or at least somewhat on the same page. That's huge. You know, I never thought about that. It, it kind of leads me into the uh, one of the last topics I'd like to cover. You know, something that Robert Kiyosaki really promotes is financial education. And if you think about it, you know, financial education minimizes the risks. Because if you if you research something and you understand it, you're likely going to make good decisions, right? Oh, 100%. And he, like, I, and not to interrupt you, but like people that are buying stuff on Amazon. Like last week, I spent probably 20 or 30 minutes researching a, a breast milk bottle warmer for my son. And like you, you're reading reviews, you're, you're, you're really digging in, trying to figure out what's the best way to, what's the best way to go. You know, I didn't, I didn't spend that amount of time learning about personal finance or how I can do a better job, but God, is that important? And so, you know, it seems like people really research things that have a very nominal impact on their life. They don't think twice about going and showing up to a job for 40 or 50 hours a week. They're not, they're not thinking about how, how do I get out from underneath this rock? Circling back to financial education. So what my message and David's message, our message to you would be invest in your financial education. Read this book, understand, you know, more ways to generate income streams and make your money work for you and not work for your money. It's huge. And and you talk about investing in that financial education. It's ten bucks. You know, I'll tell you, you know, this is a positive ROI activity. Go to firingtheman.com, go to our resource page, click on that affiliate link, buy Ken and I a cup of coffee. So to close up the episode, Ken and I have both shared a book that's changed our lives. To you, the listeners, if you have a book that's changed your life, please reach out to us and share it with the Firing the Man Nation. Books make us better. I mean, they, they have clearly made me a better person, a better husband, a better employee, a better businessman. And, you know, whenever somebody says, hey, this book changed my life, it really gets my attention. And so uh, there's got to be books out there. So for you avid readers, let us know. If you like today's episode and would like similar content, go to firingtheman.com or check us out on social media at firingtheman on Instagram, firingtheman Facebook page, and firingtheman on YouTube for some digital shorts. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Gatita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Gatita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to gatita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A dot com, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?